For those who remain in the auditorium, take your Bibles, if you would, and head to the book of Hebrews. We've been in Hebrews all of this year, and our theme is Gospel Fulfillment, Maintaining an Upward Focus, Finding Our All in Christ, because He is not only enough, but He is superior. He is more than enough. He is abundant to us. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we were given last week to head down to the Dominican Republic for a Compassion Canada experience trip. We certainly had a lot of experiences with Compassion's ministry and the ministry of the church in the DR, and we're looking forward to sharing that with you all uh, at our next members meeting in a bit more detail. Uh, but we certainly had a wonderful uh, time, and uh, it was very busy. And so our sermon this morning is entitled, Rest. And perhaps because of the trip last week, <clears throat> I'm a bit of an expert on that topic this morning. Rest. There is levels to rest. There are levels to rest. The first then certainly is physical. We've all been there driving down the highway our eyes feeling like they're going to close at any minute, and oftentimes are. We thank God for the rumble strips on the side and sometimes in the middle that jolt us to awareness. We know what it is to be exhausted. We know what it is to go without sleep and to be physically tired. And so we need rest, physical rest, whether that's a quick cat nap or uh, sleeping in. We need physical rest. But then there's mental and emotional rest. We've also been there where we're physically tired, but we're awake at night. Our eyes are closed, or maybe they're open, and we just can't seem to get our brain to shut off. So many things running around in our heads, and we lack mental and emotional rest. We have a lot of cares and concerns, problems and issues, worries. And so while our body fights to get rest, our mind is active. And so we need mental and emotional rest. <clears throat> but the kind of rest that is spoken of in our passage this morning is of a deeper kind. It's a holistic rest. It's a spiritual rest, perhaps what the Jews call shalom. It's not just peace in the sense of cessation from conflict, but it's it's an all-encompassing, supreme satisfaction in God and who he is. It is to be at peace with ourselves, to know who we are in Christ, and to know that no matter what takes place in our lives, he is worthy and trustworthy. To have that level of peace in our lives. St. <clears throat> Augustine said, in his confessions, thou, God, movest us to delight in praising thee, for thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. There is a perpetual state of unrest when we are disconnected from the one who made us from the all-satisfying, all-supreme one 
who made us, knows us intimately and deeply, and only in fellowship with him do we cease to be restless. Someone has taken Augustine's quote and said we have a God-shaped hole in us that only God can fill. And it's that kind of deep, soul-satisfying rest that is offered to us by God and that is explained to us in the passage before us. So hopefully you have your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, and we want to read the first 13 verses together this morning. I did manage to pick up a cold while I was down in the DR, and so I'm a little gravelly this morning, please bear with me. Hebrews chapter 4, starting to read at verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account." This is the word of God. So this idea then of rest, a soul-satisfying, all-encompassing rest, that is a goal of ours, but oftentimes evasive, especially when things are not going as we want them to. Sure, God is trustworthy and God is good when things are going our way, the way we want them to be. But when we are faced with pain and suffering, with loss, with all kinds of problems, it is then that we struggle most to find our rest in God. As Pastor Luke has mentioned last Sunday, in our new Bible reading plan, we're in the book of Exodus. And throughout Exodus and the book of Numbers, one of the continuing attitudes of the nation of Israel is that of grumbling. 
murmuring, complaining. You know that sort of buzz when a crowd is kind of talking all together but not necessarily in sync? That sort of ripple, sort of hum of voices talking, that's, that's this complaining that we have here of the nation of Israel. As long as God is providing their needs, they seem to be okay, but the instant that their needs are not being met, instantaneously and in the way they want them to be met, then they begin to grumble and complain, begin to murmur. This God who brought them out of slavery, this God who revealed himself to them in his personal name, I am, Yahweh, this God who performed ten plagues in their sight, this God who opened the Red Sea and allowed them to go across on dry land, this God who brought the waters of the Red Sea back and crushed the armies of the Egyptians, this God who made bitter water sweet, this God who brings down manna, what is it from heaven, this God who continually provides for them and shows them his power and his provision, this God is the God they continually find lacking. He's not enough. And so they are restless. They're not resting in him. And it is this generation that David talks about in Psalm 95, as Pastor Luke again mentioned last week. They did not enter into God's rest. And so we see in verses 1 and 2 that we can fall short of rest. God offers his rest to us. His rest. God is completely satisfied in himself. There is nothing that God needs. He is completely self-contained. There's nothing that God says, I wish I had a little bit more of that. He's completely satisfied in himself. And he offers to us the ability to come into that kind of rest. That regardless of circumstances, we can be completely, holistically, body and soul, at peace with who we are in him and who he is in us. We've mentioned this in previous sermons, but perhaps the greatest picture of that in the New Testament is Jesus asleep in the boat in the storm. What a picture. These men many of whom grew up on or cut their teeth on the Sea of Galilee as fishermen, they were so scared by this storm, they feared for their very lives, and what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. Physically resting, but so much more than that, at complete peace with himself and with the situation. And God offers that to us and yet we can fail to enter it. Notice the issue is not God's promise. In 1a it says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, God's promises are sure and true. God has promised us rest. <coughs> he is always at rest. He is completely satisfied with who he is, and he lacks nothing in himself. And he offers that to us through Jesus Christ. We who are needy and we who whine and complain. We who reject him and try to do things our own way. We who are full of greed and covetousness. God says to us, come. 
Come to me through Christ by the Spirit. Repent of your sin. Repent of finding any lack in me and then enter into my rest. No matter what the circumstance, no matter the loss, no matter the depth of pain, no matter the depth of frustration, come, come to me and find rest. You can have rest through me, and that promise still stands. But notice, we must rest in his promises. Let us fear, he says, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news has come to us, just as to them, this generation that failed to find rest in God, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Perhaps the writer of Hebrews has in mind the spies, 12 of whom go out into the land of Canaan. And Joshua and Caleb seem to have a very different perspective than the other 10. They say that these people in the land, they'll be bread for us. Essentially, this is a piece of cake. This is no, this is no big deal. God has promised. God's promises are true. God's promises are sure. We can do this. Let's go. And the other 10 say, no. God's promises of the land are true. It is flowing with milk and honey. But there was a detail that God neglected to tell us. The people in there are really, really big and scary. He didn't tell us that there was going to be battles to be fought. He didn't tell us that there was going to be opposition. We assumed that the way would be clear. It's not. And so God is lacking. God is not able and so we should not go in. And this oftentimes is us. Whatever it is that we're facing, whether that be persecution, like the uh, audience to whom the author or pastor of Hebrews is writing, whatever that is in our lives, <clears throat> we believe that we know better than God. We believe that his ways are not best. That he's not coming through on his part of the deal. He's He's holding out on us. There's more he could be doing on our behalf. We, finite, rebellious creatures, find lack in the infinite God. And when we do, we are the same as this generation of Israelites who did not enter into God's rest because they disobeyed, they doubted. They did not trust they did not believe that God was able. <coughs> and so we want to enjoy God's rest in verses 3 through 5. This is the rest that God offers to us. Notice in the first place that God's rest is present tense. There is a future aspect to it, and we'll see that in just a moment, but it's here right now. For we who have believed enter that rest. Right now, it is not only possible, it is promised to us by God, and God, as we know, is a promise-making and promise-keeping God, that right now, in this life, in this moment, with all that is going on, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and inflation and recession and all the many things that are going on in our lives, and each of us have our own stuff that we're dealing with, in the middle of all of that, that seems to be chaotic, God is saying, come, come to me and find rest. Not just physical rest, not just mental and emotional rest, 
but holistic spiritual rest. Find in me that which will be supremely satisfying to you. That in me you will say, I, I need nothing else. I have all I need in Christ and abundantly more than ever I could ask or think. He is my all. It is quite the lesson to stand in someone's home that is essentially four feet by six feet on the side of a little hill in the Dominican and think that this person has nothing and yet in Jesus Christ there is a smile on their face and they have all that they need while we scrabble around with the trinkets that we think that we need and still find God lacking. God offers us rest in Jesus Christ. Rest from trying to do better. Rest from trying to be better. Rest from trying to find ourselves. Rest from our sin. Rest from our shame. Rest from our guilt. God offers us all of that and so much more in Jesus Christ. And it's not just for the future, although it also is for the future, but it is right now. Because he says, we have entered that rest at present. Notice that God's rest is also perfect. He says, my rest, twice. What is the quality of this rest? We've already alluded to that, but the quality of this rest is that it's God's rest. As I already mentioned, God is supremely satisfied in himself. There is nothing lacking in God. God did not create because he was lonely. God did not create because he's an egomaniac. I'm all up here in the heavens and nobody is worshiping me and I need some affirmation. And so maybe I'll create some people that will bow and grovel and that'll be wonderful. That is not our God. It's not the God revealed to us in scripture. Our God is a trinity, is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, completely satisfied and supremely satisfied in himself. There's no lack in God. God did not create because something was lacking or wanting. God created because of who he is. He is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. He is outward-focused. He is love and truth and goodness. He wants to share that with as many as he can, and so he made man in his image to share in what he already has. But our God is always at rest and always at peace within himself. There is no war within himself. There is no FOMO with our God. There's no fear of missing out. There's no worry about whether or not it is enough. If we read in John's Gospel, Jesus says that before they created anything, his Father and he, through the Spirit, were sharing love and glory. I love you, Dad. I love you, Son. And I'm so proud of you. There's nothing lacking in God. He is completely, in all ways of that word, at rest and at peace with himself. And he offers that to us through Jesus Christ. That we can stop running. We can stop reaching. We can stop wanting. And find all that we ever need and more than we could ever imagine in him. My rest, he says. It's there. But again, the reality that we can miss it. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter 
my rest. They shall not enter my rest. The rest is there. It's offered for to us. Now notice something interesting in ver- the latter part of verse 3 and verse 4. It seems like the author of Hebrews, the pastor, is making a point that doesn't fit at first blush. Because he said, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, Genesis 2, 1 and 2, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Now what does God's day of rest have to do with his point here? I think it's this. In all six days of creation, there is a formula at the end. In the evening and the morning was the first day, and then that day is ended. But you don't find that in day seven. Day seven is open. God rested from all his creative activity, and although he still works, John 5, because Jesus says, I am working and my Father is working even until now, he's not ceased from work, but he ceased from his creative activity. He is supremely satisfied with all that he has made, and we are currently still living in day seven of creation. There is an extended Sabbath rest, a day of rest, that we in God can also be supremely satisfied in him and in what he is doing in us, and we also can have rest. That in the midst of chaos, cares and troubles, we as God can say, it is very good. And we can rest in him. God rested and opened up to us the way of rest. But when we fret and when we worry, and we, and we are dragged down by the things of this life, and we are not supremely satisfied in him and in what he is doing in us, we lack the rest that is available to us. So we can fall short of God's rest, even though it is there for us. And this rest is of supreme quality. He is supremely satisfied in himself, and we can also be supremely satisfied in him. But there is also a future rest. Notice in verses 6 through 10. We anticipate God's rest. It is not either or, it's both and. There is rest for our souls right now. And in the midst of poverty or wealth, equally dangerous, equally problematic, in the midst of pain or pleasure in the midst of suffering or victory, wherever we're at, there is present rest, current rest available to us in God. That we know who we are because we have found our identity in him. But there is also a future rest available to us in verses 6 through 10. And so the author or the pastor lets us know that there is a great importance in resting in God, verses 6 and 7. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, there's still a future reality to this rest. 
And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, and the words already quoted from Psalm 95, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is the call to us every single day. Nobody goes from one day trusting in God, resting in God, having faith in God, and then the very next day, denying him. It is a slow process away from him. Where over time, our hearts become calloused. As you work with your hands, you develop calluses. Those take place over time. And it's the same with our hearts. We don't fully trust God this day. And then another situation arises. We don't sing with the same amount of fervor and gusto. And there's a little bit more of a hard edge to our hearts. And then it's added on and it's added on. Just this weekend at Asbury College, it appears that God has sent a revival as he did about 50 years ago at that same place. We're still watching that as those who love the Lord with great interest. The reality is, revival is simply Christians acting like they should have been ask, acting all along. Revival looks impressive because of how unimpressive we have become to look. Christians should be the first to love. Christians should be the first to forgive. If we're resting in God, why are we hanging on to non-God things so tightly? If we're trusting in him, why are we trying to control things so hard? Why are we trying to manipulate things our way? If we truly trust in him, can we live with an open hand and open hearts? Can we be those that promote unity, love among the brethren, love for those that do not yet know Christ? Ought we not be those who emulate him? What did Jesus say? If you want to follow the Son of Man, the Son of Man does not have a place to stay, a place to call his own. Even the foxes have their dens and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man does not have even a place to lay his head. Christ lived life supremely satisfied in his Father. And yet, he had nothing that he called his own. What are we hoarding what are we hanging on to that has calloused our hearts? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If we treasure Christ supremely above all else, that's where our heart will be, and it'll be soft and open and not hard and calloused. And the author of Hebrews tells us today Today, take stock. Are you resting and finding your rest in God? Notice the future reality of full rest. Verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, the fullness of rest, in the promised land in Canaan, God would not have spoken of another day later on. 
and in such a beautiful reality in the original Greek that does not come out in the English. If you read that verse in the original Greek, it's actually Jesus, because the Old Testament word, uh, name Joshua is the same as the New Testament name Jesus. Now it's rightly translated here Joshua because Joshua is a type of Christ, but the reality is if the old covenant Jesus, Joshua, God saves, had brought the people into full rest, then the new covenant, Jesus, the true Jesus, the full one, God with us, God saves, would not have been uh, sent as the full fulfillment of the promise to fully enter into rest. Jesus has come to give us what Joshua could not, what Moses could not, what Daniel could not, what David could not, what Solomon could not, what no, nobody else but Christ could give us. Only Christ can give us that full rest because only Christ can change us from the inside out. We have lived in relative peace economically and politically and otherwise in our nation for a very long time. It's not so around the globe. But these things are always temporary. Because the only true rests can come from the inside. And only Christ can transform us by his good news. That although we are great sinners, he is a great savior. And then notice the present and future beauty of God's rest in verses 9 and 10. So there and then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest is also rested from his works as God did from his. There's a future reality to this rest. Read Isaiah 11, Revelation 21 and 22. So many passages of scripture prophesying what is to come. No fear, no pain, no suffering. God will wipe all tears from their eyes. There's a future rest coming, of which the present rest is but a picture. It's of the same quality, but it is of a different quantity in the sense that we struggle in this life. We ought to be islands of rest in the midst of stormy seas. But there is coming a day when God is going to put all things at perfect rest. And all who trust in him will be finally home and finally at peace in him. What then is the foundation of all of this? How do we obtain this? The only way to obtain this is to trust in him. The reason why individuals in the past did not attain to this rest is because they disobeyed, they doubted. So what does the writer of Hebrews, the pastor, the author, tell us in the last three verses of our chapter this morning? First of all, obedience is key. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. When it's easy to trust God, trust him. When it's hard to trust God, trust him even more. God is trustworthy. But it's not just sort of grinning and bearing it, sort of white-knuckling it through life. There is a rest that God offers to say, no matter what comes, it comes by his good hand. And I am supremely satisfied in him. It is to echo Job who said, I come into this world with nothing and I'll leave it with the same. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I have Jesus, if I have a relationship with God, it is all I will ever need. He is supremely satisfying. God, you can take it all away. If I can only have you, it's all I'll ever need. That is on us to believe that, to walk in that, to trust in that. What is the foundation for this? The Word of God. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is penetrating. It's living and active. We need it. We need to be in it. To allow it as the mirror of God, according to James, the next book over, to reveal to us areas where we are not resting in God. Maybe it's our finances. We say we trust God, but the word of God reveals to us that maybe we don't trust him as much as we think we do in that area. Maybe it's in relationships. Perhaps... We're hanging on to certain relationships tighter than we ought to be. And maybe we're even elevating those relationships of an earthly nature higher than our relationship with God. Our time and resources. Maybe we're sitting here this morning and we're still holding a grudge. We've been holding it for weeks, months, years, maybe even decades. Because we don't trust God. No, 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 see, this one, this one I need to take care of because, God, you didn't or you won't. And so I'm going to hang on to it, and I'm going to make sure that I get revenge. What does God's word say? Revenge is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. When you hold a grudge... You're stealing from God. You're attempting to do something that is only his to do. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and what does he say? Father, rain down fire and brimstone on all of these despicable creatures. What does he say? Father, forgive them. Do you trust? Are you resting in him? Fully and completely. And as you read God's word daily, as you immerse yourself in it, it will reveal to you areas where you are not resting in God. Where you are attempting to replace him. To be him. Because you think, and I think, will do a better job than he will or he is. And the author of the book of Hebrews says it's not how it works. There is rest. And it's a supreme quality. It's perfect, holistic, complete satisfaction in God. It's absolute peace in all that that word means. Rest is there. God has it. God is it. And God welcomes us into it. And the word of God will reveal to us areas where we are not resting in it. And we need that each and every day. 
because God is truth and he is the only source of rest. Verse 13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thank God for his grace, without which we do not have rest. We have great fear. But John tells us that perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with judgment. And we know that all of our sins have already been paid for by Jesus Christ, that God the Father treated God the Son as though he had personally committed all the sins that you and I will ever commit. When the penalty for our sin was meted out on Christ and fully paid, so that Christ says from the cross, it is finished, that gives us rest, or can if we're trusting him. We're trusting in him for our salvation, trusting in him that he will see justice served. Trusting in him that if we give to him, we can give to him everything that we are and that we have because he will take care of us. He is trustworthy. We can rest in him. We are supremely satisfied in him or can be through Christ. So Grace Baptist, what is our response this morning? Rest. Rest in God and his word. Stop. Stop with the treadmill. Stop with the attempts to earn God's favor. Stop with the attempts to do more and to do better. Stop with the attempts to hold grudges, to treat people in unloving ways, hoping that that will solve issues, because that works every time. Treating each other in ways that do not honor God. Stop. Stop hoarding your resources, your time and your energy and your money. Live with an open hand. Give with an open hand. Not only say, but believe and trust, God is all that I will ever need. And I say this so many times, but God will often bring us to places where he is all we have to remind us, yet again, because we're slow and we're thick-headed, that he is all we ever need. When something comes into your life that is painful and hurtful, It is not because God causes you pain or desires to cause you pain or hurt you. It's because our loving Heavenly Father wants your best. And when you're hanging on to that which is killing you, even though you think it is giving you life, God wants to remove that from your hands and your life. Rest in Him. Do not be as the Israelites in that generation who found God lacking, who found that God did not know best, who found that God did not have their best interest in mind. And so in the same type of sin as our first ancestors, they decided they would be God and they would know best. It is possible to fall short of rest, and that is the warning that the author, pastor of the book of Hebrews gives to his audience. The promise is that we can right now enjoy God's rest and what a rest it is. 
to be supremely satisfied in him, to find all that we ever need in him, to find our identity in him, and then to anticipate what is coming, what a beautiful rest is coming, and to continually look to him for that rest, to be in his word, in relationship with him, in prayer, and doing what we're doing right now, so we can live like he does, live like he is, with open hearts and open hands, knowing the truth and walking in it. Rest. Rest in God and in his word. Let's look to him in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have had to gather together. So often, far too often, we are restless. We are shaken. We're knocked off course. Sometimes shaken even to our core. Father, we never want to downplay these realities. These are hard things to bear. But they're all designed to drive us back to you so that we rest in you. We do not find our worth or our value in the things that we own, the things that we have accomplished. We find our worth and our value in you. We do not find our worth and value in the positions that we hold or the titles that we have earned or gained. We find our rest and our worth and value in you. We can walk through this life resting in you and anticipating the full rest to come. Finding our identity in you. Knowing that you are supreme over all. God, help us. Father, we are weak. We want to rest in other things. We want to rest in our way of doing things, our way of thinking, our attitudes. We want to rest in our accomplishments, our stuff. We want to rest in the things of this life. And you call us to so much more because you call us to yourself. If there's anyone here this morning that does not know you, they are restless. They privately live in fear. They have great weight and concern in their hearts. Well, to let them know even this morning that in you there is rest. Father, for those of us that have a relationship with you but are burdened by the cares and concerns of this life, that may the words of your son when he was here in Matthew 5 through 7 penetrate our hearts and lives. You have always taken care of us and you always will. You don't always give us everything that we want but you are always for us everything that we ever need help us to rest in you father we pray in jesus name amen